All right, so I'm looking forward to sharing with you this morning. Over the last several weeks, we've been talking about rest, as Sarah mentioned earlier, and um, talking about giving from a place of rest, working from a place of rest, worshiping from a place of rest. Today, I want to talk about rest. And I I told Christian, I said, I love that last song uh, because it talks a little bit about what I want to hit on today. Um, But but what I want to explore with us today is rest um, as an invitation to discover a bigger God. Rest is as a place of transformation. Rest is a place of seeing God in new ways, seeing God as bigger, having our image and our vision of God upgraded and, and increased, having a greater confidence in who God is and who God wants to be for us. Rest is this invitation for us to experience God in new ways and see who God wants to be for us in new times and in new seasons. Uh, I don't know about you, but this week um, we had an issue with our air conditioner. Like one, it's just like not keeping up. It's like, what's, is our air conditioner broken or is this like oppressive heat or like what's going on? So um, anyway, Sarah texted someone who, who services our AC and he said, well, did you check? He said, do two things. He said, turn it off for two hours and let it like defrost and check your filter. And uh, I was, I, I feel like I'm pretty good with my filter. I'm like, I'm on that. I'm on that. No, I pulled that thing out and I was like, oh, this is the problem right here. Like uh, it was caked on there. It's probably because Dan almost burned our house down. I think burning toast in our basement. So I'm blaming Dan for that. Thanks, Dan. But uh, it, it, it's, it made me think a little bit about a metaphor for today and uh, the idea of uh, sometimes we just need to, uh, we need to rest and we need to change our filters. And uh, so, uh, you know, if, that, if that's helpful for you, great. If you could care less about that analogy, get rid of it. But uh, today, that idea of, man, sometimes we just got to turn off and we need to change our filters. So I want to start with a quote from, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do two quotes from Prince Caspian today, one of C.S. Lewis's books. And um, I didn't put all the words up on the screen because I just want you to listen to the story for a minute. Um, this story picks up in a place where these kids are journeying. They're, they're, they're hiking. They're moving from a pl- one place to another place. And so envision yourself camping. And Lucy's the youngest of four kids. And uh, Lucy wakes up in the middle of the night. And in, if you've followed any of the, the uh, Chronicles of Narnia books, you know that Lucy's got this special connection with the big lion, with Aslan. And she's always looking away. How can I reconnect with Aslan? How can I see Aslan again? And while they were hiking that day, they think that she thinks that she maybe saw Aslan, thinks that she maybe heard, but not sure. And so this is what happens. In the middle of the night, she wakes up. And so I'll pick this up. And she's, she gets out of bed, gets wherever she was sleeping and starts walking down and she sees a circle of grass, uh, smooth as a lawn meets her eyes, but there's dark trees dancing all around it. And then, oh joy, for he was there. The huge lion shining white in the moonlight with this huge black shadow underneath him. But, 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 for, the moment of his, but for the moment, his tail might've been a stone lion. Oh, sorry. But for the movement of his tail, he might've been a stone lion. But Lucy never thought of that. She never stopped to think whether he was a friendly lion or not. 
She rushed to him. She felt her heart would burst if she lost a moment. And the next thing she knew, she was kissing him and putting her arms as far around his neck as she could and burying her face in, this be- in the beautiful, rich silkness of his mane. Aslan, Aslan, dear Aslan, sobbed Lucy, at last. The great beast rolled over on his side so that Lucy fell, half sitting and lying between his front paws. He bent forward and just touched her nose with his tongue. His warm breath came all around her. She gazed up into the large, wise face. Welcome, child, he said. Aslan, said Lucy, you're bigger. That is because you're older, little one, answered he. Not not because you are, asked Lucy. I am not, he said. But every year you grow, you will find me bigger. Leave that quote up there on the screen. I loved that quote. I love that quote, that interaction that she has. Every year you grow, you will find me bigger. I want to pray for us. Lord, thank you today that we can spend time with you. Lord, thank you that today we can spend time waiting on you. We can spend time praising you. We can spend time lifting you up. We can spend time gazing at you. Lord, my prayer for us today, Lord, as we look to you, as we spend time with you, that we will find you bigger. In every year of our life, in every day of our life, in every season of our life, God, we want to find you bigger. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. As we talk about aspects of rest today, this is my prayer for us, that in our rest and in our waiting and on our waiting on God, we find and we see God bigger. If you've, if you've walked with the Lord for any amount of time, you all of a sudden start discovering new things. As a parent, it's interesting to me that as a parent, I start out in my parenthood with, with a baby doing things that I'm like least experienced in. Least, how is it that we start, like, why can't I start with my kids when they're first born and we could, I'm I'm okay with paying bills and doing a budget. Like, why can't I start with that? Why do I have to start with things that I'm like, I have no idea. I don't know how I learned to walk. I don't know how I learned to talk. I don't know how I learned to go to the bathroom. I don't know how I learned to feed myself. We, We start in the opposite place as parents with our kids, don't we? What's amazing as we grow with our kids, as we, as we progress and as our kids mature, as our kids get older, it's super exciting for them to discover that we actually know stuff that's now relevant to where they are in their phase of life, right? All of a sudden, I know with my parents, as I grew with them, it was like, man, they become more, more and more relevant. As I get older, they become more and more relevant. Isn't, isn't that how it works with God? Man, as we get older, as we go through things in our lives, as we mature, as we walk with the Lord, we find that the Lord's already been there already and knows what he's doing there. We find there's this new confidence, God getting bigger. So I want to look at three passages today about rest. I want to look at Psalm 62, Psalm 37, and Isaiah 40. And I want to bring out some thoughts around rest. 
One is finding rest in God. The second is rest from fretting. The second is rest renewing our strength. So I want to look at those three things, and hopefully we'll see God in a bigger way today. So let's start in Psalm 62. The writer of this psalm says this, Truly my soul finds rest in God. My salvation comes from him. Truly, he is my rock and my salvation. He is my fortress. I will never be shaken. How long will you assault me? Would all of you throw me down? This leaning wall, this tottering fence, surely they intend to topple me from my lofty place. They take delight in lies. With their mouths they bless, but in their hearts they curse. Yes, my soul Find rest in God. My hope comes from him. Truly, he is my rock and my salvation. He is my fortress. I will not be shaken. My salvation and my honor depend on God. He is my mighty rock, my refuge. Trust in him at all times, you people. Pour out your hearts to him, for God is our refuge. In this passage, we see three different sections. This first section is this declaration of truth that the writer is saying, my soul finds rest in God. My salvation comes from him. Man, this this is the starting point of rest. This is the starting point for all of us, this place of rest. Our salvation doesn't come from what we do. Our salvation doesn't come from our work. Our salvation doesn't come from our efforts. Our salvation doesn't come from us. God has made a way for you and I to rest. There's no other name by which we're saved. Salvation comes from him alone. I feel like we could like stop the message right here and be like, the Lord is the initiator and the creator and the maker, the bringer of our salvation. feel like in these these times that we live, we can be enchanted to run here and run there. And well, God's here and God's there. And this is what's happening. And are you listening to this person, listening to that person? Are you listening? What are you listening to? All of these different voices that we can be listening to. And I love the simplicity of the psalmist coming back to, my soul finds rest in God. My salvation comes from him. And I don't know about you, if you need your HVAC to thaw out and your filter to be changed, like, I, I feel like there's some, a lot of other things that we need to be filtering out and coming back to this central place of our souls finding rest in God and our salvation coming from God alone. We're not going to find rest in looking here and looking there and running to all of these different places. The God of the universe says you're going to find rest and salvation when you trust in me. This trust is not like buying a life insurance policy and putting it in your filing cabinet. It's not like that. This trust is like taking everything that you own and everything that you are and everything and, 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 saying, I want, and building my entire brand new house. It's like building a brand new house from scratch. 
It's like being all in in the game of poker. If you've ever gone all in and you've got a really good hand, you've got a winning hand. So it's not just a bluff. It's all in. Lord, we're all in trusting you. We're all in in hoping in you. The psalmist goes on to say, truly he's our rock and our salvation, our fortress. We will not be shaken. We will not be shaken. Those who trust in the Lord, we put our hope in the Lord. We will not be shaken. This is rest, an investment that never fails or goes down, a foundation that doesn't fail, a ship that doesn't sink, a sure thing. The Lord is a firm foundation, a sure thing. We will not be shaken. When we put our trust in Jesus as our rock, our salvation, our fortress, we have a firm foundation. We will not be shaken. I love that. I love how the, the psalm just grounds us in like, what do we rest in? How do we find that place of rest? And then, like the good psalmist does, goes on to give us the second part of the passage, which ends up being how we get shaken. He goes, I'm not going to be shaken. And you, I'm not going to be shaken. That's verses one and two. But in verse three, he goes, well, apparently we do get shaken. He says this, and he's talking about how long am I going to be assaulted? that others would, that I'd be thrown down. I am like a leaning wall and a tottering fence. It sounds like pretty shaky all of a sudden. We go from, I will not be shaken to I'm a leaning wall and a tottering fence. It's a pretty quick pivot. Surely they intend to topple me from my lofty place and they take delight in lies. And, and they're not blessed. People, other people aren't blessing me. They're cursing me. Man, that's a big shift. And I find that the Lord wants us to be so honest in our places of, of, of pouring out our hearts, pouring out our place in vulnerability and in honesty. And it's like the psalmist does that so quickly. He goes from this place of, I will not be shaken to, oh man, I'm shaken. But he doesn't leave us there. He goes on. And, and I want to just... I love reading the Bible because I feel like I see this journey happen with people. Think about the story of Elijah. Elijah has this major, major encounter on the top of a mountain. And he asks the Lord, Lord, would you bring fire down and consume this altar that's here? And it happens. And, and it's this, this really uh, dem demonstrative time of God's power and what God does. And in the next chapter, you find Elijah scared running away, and it, and it just says that he wants to curl up under a bush and die. I'm like, whoa, I think we're in good company. We see the disciples in one moment like, yes, yes, Lord, this is great. This is all amazing. You're so amazing. And then you see, and the disciples are like really afraid and, and, and shirking back. As we walk in life, we have lots of opportunities to be shaken, and we are shaken. We have doubts fears. We have accusation, persecution, suffering, injustice, loss, which leads us to the third portion of this psalm. So then he goes into verse five and he says, yes, my soul, 
find rest in God. So in verse one, he said, my soul finds rest in God. Like, man, I'm confident. I've got it. My soul finds rest in God. But then we go through some shaking and then you find him now he's a life coach. And he's like, yes, my soul find rest in God. Now he's coaching himself up. Like, okay, I found rest in God. I got shaken now. Okay, I got to remind myself, where's my life coach? Yes, my soul find rest in God now. Remember, my hope comes from him. It's like the psalmist shifts from declaring he trusts in God to coaching himself and reminding himself, find rest in God. Man, don't we need that? Don't we need that in our lives? We need, we need that encouragement. We need that coaching. We need that, that the, the Holy Spirit speaking over us again and again and again. As you get bigger, so do I. Remember. Remember, I'm your rock and your salvation, your fortress. You're not going to be shaken. This is rest. This is the rest for us. The psalmist has this rest in the beginning of the passage. They experience the shaking. And then there's a remembrance at the end. How can we find a place of rest in our lives? And I want us to go back to those last three verses, if you could put those up, Grace. Yes, my soul, find rest in God. My hope comes from him. Truly, he's my rock and my salvation. He's my fortress. I will not be shaken. My salvation and my honor depend on God. He is my mighty rock, my refuge. Trust in him at all times, you people. Pour out your hearts to him, for God is our refuge. There's this encouragement. There's this, as we talk about rest today and seeing God in a bigger place, the, the encouragement I want to bring to us today is we need to find rest in our, in our souls. We need to pursue rest. We need to come into that place of rest. We need to be reminded of the rest that the Lord brings us into. The Lord is your rock and is your salvation, is your fortress. You will not be shaken. You will experience as you get bigger, so will your God. We need to remind one another of that. From a place of resting in God, our knowledge and understanding of God will grow. Finding rest in God is the place from which we can wrestle with God. We oftentimes think that we have to wrestle with our faith and wrestle with God from a place of insecurity, like wrestling as an outsider. And I think this passage is like this invitation to wrestle with God in God's refuge. We can wrestle with God in God from a place in which the, the Lord has invited us to his refuge, invited us as the rock, invited us as the foundation. And he knows that he wants us to pour out our hearts he wants us to pour out our hearts from this place of rest. Trust and rest in the salvation of God opens the doors for us to enter and gives us a place of security. And from that place of security, we can, we can grow. So let's wrestle. Let's pour out our hearts in a place of rest. It's a safe place. Many of us need to reestablish our rest in the salvation of God. 
when we rediscover that rest of God being our salvation, we can move forward. We can wrestle from a place of rest. Amen? So finding, rediscovering, reestablishing our place of rest. Amen? The second one is rest from fretting. Rest from fretting. And I'll, I'll qualify and say, rest from fretting about others. It's a funny word, fret. Say it many times, fret, fret. That's a funny word, fret. So let's read what the psalmist says here. Do not fret because of those who are evil or be envious of those who do wrong. For like the grass, they will soon wither. Like green plants, they will soon die away. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and enjoy safe pasture. Take delight in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him and he will do this. This is what he will do. He will make your righteous reward shine like the dawn, your vindication like the noonday sun. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Do not fret when people succeed in their ways, when they carry out their wicked schemes. Refrain from anger and turn from wrath. Do not fret. It only leads to evil. You know, I've, at times, I've read this passage over and over again, and I don't know about you, but I like to jump to the middle of it, and it's like, take delight in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart, right? That's like the fortune cookie version of uh, this passage that we all like to get, like, oh, yeah, 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 I love that, I love that, I love that. You know, but as as you look at the context of that passage, the psalmist is, is really setting this idea of delighting yourself in the Lord and trusting in the Lord and resting in the Lord in the concept of how we look at other people. It's written specifically in relationship to how we think about other people. The psalmist is challenging us in talking about trusting the Lord and not focusing our energy and our worry on other people. How often is your trust in God challenged because of what we see happening with other people? He starts it out by saying, don't be envious of others. Don't, don't be envious of what you see around you. Have we become consumed with other people and their actions and their challenges, their hardships, their wrongdoing, their attitudes? And have I taken my eyes off of trusting the Lord for myself due to my fretting about other people? The question is, are we minding our own faith now, I'm not, I'm not talking about this idea of that we mourn with those who mourn and we rejoice with those who rejoice and we bear one another's burdens. I'm not talking that, about that at all. I'm talking about Peter and Jesus are having this interaction and Jesus is like, well, this is what's going to happen to you. And Peter's like, well, what's going to happen to John? And Jesus is like, well, that's kind of none of your business. Like, this, if this is what I want to have happen with John, this is what's going to happen with John. But the Lord's speaking to Peter about what's happening in his life. To fret means to to be consumed with, to burn, to be angry with. So fret is not like, oh man, I wonder if if the Raiders are going to get a good draft pick this year. You guys know we won't. You guys know we won't. No, it's, it's kind of like this, this, oh man, this, this gall, this, this burning inside of us. 
It's like, oh, did you see that? Did you hear that? Did you hear about that? Did you hear about so-and-so? And and it just, it stirs up. It becomes our points of conversation. It becomes our points of obsession of burning about this story and burning about that story. And it becomes consumed. and, And I can become so consumed. I can become so consumed in what I see in the experience of others that I don't engage in faith for myself. And I think that's what the psalmist is challenging the, pers- the, the, the readers of this to do. He's challenging them, do I fret because of those who are evil or being envious of those who are doing wrong? It doesn't even have to be people who are doing evil or people who are doing wrong. Maybe they're doing good. Maybe we, I preached a message a couple months ago about comparison and about how, how comparison is the thief of joy. We can spend our times comparing and looking at others. And the Lord says, trust in the Lord. And so hear these words as, as almost like filtering words, as getting rid of distraction. Not that we do or don't trust the Lord, but saying, okay, let's let the distractions drop. Now for you, trust in the Lord and do good. That's his call to you and me. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and enjoy safe pasture. Take delight in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him him, and he will do this. He will make your righteous reward shine like the dawn, your vindication like the noonday sun. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Do not fret when people succeed in their ways, when they carry out their wicked schemes. Refrain from anger and turn from wrath Do not fret, it only leads to evil. Do not fret, it only leads to evil. Man, as I was reading this and preparing this, I'm like, I think this message is for me. So please don't hear me speaking this to you. I think this message is for me. How is it that I focus on the things that the Lord has given me to rest in? Do I let rest come and not fret about things I can't control, not fret about things that are outside of my realm of responsibility, not fret about other people and, man, this seems so unjust and why is this happening and that happening and there needs to be justice and why is this not happening? The Lord wants me to focus on what he's given me and to do good in what he's given me, to commit my ways to the Lord. It reminds me of that passage in Romans where Jesus talks about not repaying evil. So he says, Paul says this, never pay back evil with more evil. Do things in such a way that everyone can see you are honorable. Do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. Dear friends, never take revenge. Leave that to the righteous anger of God. For the scripture says, I will take revenge. I will pay them back, says the Lord. Instead, if your enemies are hungry, feed them. If they're thirsty, give them something to drink. In doing this, you'll heap burning coals of shame on their heads. Wow. But listen to this last sentence that captures, I think, the heart of the psalmist here. Don't let evil conquer you, but conquer evil by doing good. That's what what I hear the heart of the psalmist here saying is, don't fret about the evil around you. Overcome the evil with good. Trust in the Lord to do and do good, dwell in the land, take delight in the Lord. He'll give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord, trust in him, and he will do this. 
Be still before the Lord. Wait patiently for him. So if, if I'm thinking about coming into a place of rest, I need to rest from fretting about others, fretting about things, even judging. Mother Teresa says, if you judge people, you have no time to love them. Paul's challenging us. How do we overcome evil by doing good? Doesn't mean that we aren't passionate about things. It doesn't mean that the Lord doesn't give us things to do. It doesn't mean that the Lord doesn't give us good to do. But it means we've got to let go of the things and rest from the things that we're not called to do and we can't do and, and, and allow those things to derail our faith. The Lord says, trust in me for the things that I've given you to do. And don't fret about the other stuff. Because what I've given you to do is good work to do. It's good work to do. And we're going to overcome evil as we do that good work. The third area of rest is resting that renews our strength. And I was thinking about this passage, and, you know, it's pretty much the passage you could get on any poster, right? It's got the eagles. It ends with, um, the Lord renews our strengths. We'll mount up with wings as eagles, right? We, we kind of love the end of that, that uh, last verse or two of this chapter. What I love about the whole chapter is that this whole chapter about rest, about the Lord restoring our strength, is that it comes from a place of recognizing the bigness of God. We started out by asking that question uh, and thinking about the idea, as I get bigger, God gets bigger. And this passage here is about how big God is. And I just backed up to verse 25 because I didn't, we don't have time to read the whole passage. But I want you to get the context of the Lord renewing our strength. So let's start. To whom will you compare me? Who is my equal? Asks the Holy One. Look up into the heavens who created, who created all the stars. He brings them out like an army, one after another, calling each by name. Because of his great power and incomparable strength, not a single one is missing. Oh, Jacob, how can you say the Lord does not see your troubles? Oh, Israel, how can you say God ignores your rights? Have you never heard? Have you never understood? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of all the earth. He never grows weak or weary. No one can measure the depths of his understanding. He gives power to the weak and strength to the powerless. Even youths will become weak and tired. I know you guys got really weak and tired this weekend. I saw it at my house. And young men will fall in exhaustion. But those who trust in the Lord will find new strength. Other passages say, wait on the Lord or rest in the Lord. Those who trust in the Lord will find new strength. They will soar high on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. I love that the, the song we sang today about waiting on the Lord because it was connecting this waiting on the Lord with the majesty of the Lord, the bigness of the Lord, a Lord who does not ever grow weak or weary. Resting in the Lord requires waiting and getting restored. Isaiah 40, is this, this passage is written as a way of describing the majesty of God, a, a God who never grows tired or weary. 
Earlier in the passage, he describes people like grass, just like the psalmist did. People are like grass. We don't endure forever. But the Lord, the word of the Lord endures forever. This passage compares us to God. We're people who are weak and powerless. We can become weak and tired. We can fall into exhaustion. But the Lord has strength for us. What I love is that it's those who wait on the Lord, it doesn't say that he fixes the situation, he changes the circumstance. He, it doesn't say any of that. It says those who wait on the Lord will renew their strength. That's the kind of rest that we need. We need rest that renews our strength. Rest that renews our strength for the, the challenges ahead of us. Rest that renews our strength for the things that we're called to. And that rest, that rest comes in looking and getting a revelation of the bigness of God. When I become uh, least restful, it's when I either, uh, it's, it's when I fall into a place of despair. But does God even hear me? Does God even know me? You even see this in this passage. Jacob says, um, the Lord does not see our troubles. The Lord ignores our rights. Lord, are you not listening? Are you not there? We go into this place of despair that the Lord doesn't see us, doesn't know us, doesn't hear us, doesn't care about us. And this rest that the Lord's inviting us into, he's like, he's, he's saying, remember, I'm gonna give you strength. I'm gonna be faithful from generation to generation. I'm, I'm gonna be bigger and bigger from you for you in this next season of life and the next thing that's happening, whatever you're dealing with, I wanna be big, I wanna be big, I wanna be big. And our strength gets renewed. Our strength gets renewed because we can rest in the bigness and the goodness of God. Let's enter into rest, into trust, into waiting that focuses on the bigness of God. As we rest, as we, as we find and seek out and go after this place of rest. It sounds like we were reading earlier. We find and remember to find this place of rest. As we stop fretting about everything else and everyone else. As we wait on the Lord for a renewal of our strength, I believe that God becomes bigger. We get this this upgraded view, this upgraded vision of who God is. In this place of rest, there's an invitation to discover God as bigger than ever before. The Lord wants to be bigger for us. I like this quote by Graham Cook. He says this, throughout our lives, we will enter into many different phases and experiences. It might be a marriage or a birth of a child, a significant work promotion, a new responsibility, a new ministry, or any other type of change. In seasons like that, we must take time to upgrade our peace and rest in the Lord. I love that. He goes on to um, talk about Moses. And if you think about Moses's experiences of, of uh, going into Egypt, confronting Pharaoh, bringing the people out of Egypt, taking people into the promised land. There were different phases in Moses' life where he had these upgraded experiences with God. 
where he sees God in new ways. He, he sees God and God is preparing him for the next season of his life, the next phases of his life. And I believe that's the kind of rest that the Lord has for us. I would encourage you, and, and, and I'm trying to encourage myself, just like the psalmist said, find rest in the Lord. I'm, I'm self-coaching myself right now. How do we take time? How do we spend time intentionally looking at the bigness and the faithfulness of the Lord? How do we put down fretting about others? One more, one more passage of scripture, because I like to see the disciples fretting. Do you guys want to see a disciples fretting story or their, their, their terror? So Mark 4 says this, as evening came, Jesus said to his disciples, let's cross to the other side of the lake. That sounds like a good idea. Go in new places, Jesus. Let's go to new places. Let's go to the other side of the lake. So they took Jesus in the boat and started out, leaving the crowds behind, although other boats followed. But soon a fierce storm came up. High waves were breaking into the boat, and it began to fill with water. Jesus was sleeping at the back of the boat with his head on a cushion. <laughs> Man, the rest of the Lord. I've heard some people say, it's amazing what Jesus is asleep to that we're freaking out about. But it's amazing the things that we're asleep to that Jesus is awake to. Man, are we, are we awake to the things of Jesus and are we resting in the things that he, he wants us to rest in? So the disciples woke him up shouting, teacher, don't you care that we're going to drown? Yep, good question. When Jesus woke up, he rebuked the wind and said to the waves, silence, be still. Suddenly the wind stopped and there was a great calm. One more slide. There we go. Then he asked them, why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? The disciples were absolutely terrified. Stop there for a second. The disciples were absolutely terrified. And the Lord is not down on us being terrified and afraid. That is, that's a part of life. That's a reality. We get terrified. And then they say this, who is this man? Even the wind and waves obey him. In the place of their being terrified, there's a new revelation of like, oh my goodness. We didn't know he could do that. Didn't know he could do that. Who is this man? I feel like that's the revelation that the Lord has for us. In our place of rest, he wants, he wants to blow our minds and say, whoa, who is this God that does this? I can't believe it. And he's not scared of us being terrified. He's not scared of us being afraid. He just says, find rest in me on your salvation. And from there, be terrified, be afraid, be whatever. But the Lord wants to give an upgrade vision. The, the disciples got an upgraded view of who the Lord was for them in that moment. So I have a, uh, one more quote I want to read in closing from Prince Caspian. So Lucy and Aslan are having this dialogue after they've had this encounter that we read about earlier. And, and Aslan's saying, we've got to keep going. We've got, to, we've got uh, the next steps to do. And Lucy says, and I'll pick up here, Oh dear, oh dear, said Lucy. Oh dear, oh dear, says Lucy. 
And I was so pleased at finding you again. And I thought you'd let me stay. And I thought you'd come roaring in and frighten all the enemies away, like last time. And now everything's going to be horrid. It's hard for you, little one, said Aslan. But things never happen the same way twice. It's been hard for all of us in Narnia before now. Lucy buried her head in his mane to hide from his face. But there must have been magic in his mane. She could feel lion strength going into her. Quite suddenly, she sat up. I'm sorry, Aslan, she said. I'm ready now. Now you are a lioness, said Aslan. And now all Narnia will be renewed. But come, we have no time to lose. Man, this is the kind of rest that I think the Lord's inviting us into. I love that Lucy buries her head in his mane, but she's hiding her face. She's like, man, this is like, it, it's almost this sense of, of worry and shame and frustration. But she's like, but I'm still going to like hide my face in his mane. He's like, come to me, come to me, come to me, come to me. Even if you're disappointed, even if it's not like it was before, even if it, things are different, even if you're disappointed, even if you're terrified. She's like, I'm, Lucy buries her head in his mane to hide from his face. But there must have been magic in his mane. She could feel lion strength going into her. Quite suddenly, she sat up. I'm sorry, Aslan, she said. I'm ready now. Let's, let's pray. Lord, thank you that you desire us to live from a place of rest. That you desire us to live from a place in which we won't be shaken. Lord, you are our rock. You are our firm foundation. You are our refuge. From that place, we will not be shaken. But Lord, like Lucy, we, we bury our face into your mane. And we yell and scream and we say we're terrified about this and we're fearful of that and we're, we're disappointed about this and we're hurt about that and it's not fair and there's injustice and things are wrong. Lord, would you renew our strength? Would you renew our vision? Lord, we want to see you getting bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. We want to be like the disciples who say, who is this God? Who is this Jesus? Lord, I pray for us as a community. I pray for us as individuals that we would enter into a new depth of rest in you. Lord, would you empower us? Would you strengthen us? Would you make us ready? Would you make us ready? You've given us a good land. You've given us good things. You've given us good desires. You've given us good work to do. You've given us so much. But Lord, we want to work and rest and worship from a place of knowing your bigness and your greatness and your love for us. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. As we close today, I just, 
I want to invite you to um, be intentional in this time about asking the Lord for an increased understanding and vision of who he wants to be for you in this time. Who is, it, who is it that the Lord wants to be for you and needs to be for you? And who do you need the Lord to be for you in this time? If you've never said, I want to put my trust in Jesus, that's where my salvation is from. That's the place of security. That's the place that we live from. The Lord invites you today. There's an invitation to you today to say, yes, I'm all in. Jesus, I want to be all in on you. I want my life founded on your rock, on your foundation. I want to trust in you completely. There's an invitation to you today to say yes to Jesus, to be founded in Jesus. I want to invite you, if you're interested in in, in praying into that in your life and, and taking that step of decision of like, yes, I want to be found in Jesus. We're going to have a prayer team over here. Um, as we finish service, um, there'll be opportunity if you'd like to go get prayer, please go to the prayer table and, and pray with the people there. I can't imagine being found. The disciples at one point in their lives, when things got really hard, Jesus said, are you guys going to leave too? And they said, where else are we going to go? You have the words to eternal life. Where else are we going to go? And I don't know about you, but things get really hard in our lives. And I don't, I don't know where else I'm going to go, but I'm going to go back to the foundation of Jesus. So Jesus has that foundation for you. So if you want prayer today about that, please go to our prayer table. If you're online, if there's any way we can be praying for you, there's an, there's an email address um, where you can get in contact with us. Please do that, and we will get in contact with you so that we can pray with you. Amen.